Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm your host, Caleb. And I am a former child singer whose voice was used by someone more attractive than me. It was me. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. How are you? Uh, tired. Makes sense. You're a working boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week is going to be uh, very fun because my... Uh, boss is on vacation, and I am flying solo, uh, managing a, a group of grown adults uh, on my own for the very first time, which is exciting, and hopefully not a total clusterfuck. Uh, as you would hope, uh, yeah. b- because I've seen how grown adults behave on the internet, and uh, it's not good. It's not good, Caleb. Also, I almost got into a uh, fight with a delivery driver the other day because uh, Fist he was told, kind of, almost, like, it had potential to go there. Hmm. Like, he was very upset that our bathroom was closed uh, due to the coronavirus pandemic uh, and then said that he was going to shit in our parking lot. Uh, and then started swearing a whole bunch and saying that he was going to get us fired. Um, which, if he had that power, he would not be driving a delivery truck. That that's that's true. Did you did you tell him that he was the manager that that you were he was speaking to the manager? Uh no i I prefer to keep feeding out rope and let people hang themselves with it. And then I called the company that he works for and complained about him. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, and then I'm considering uh, this week possibly bringing it to the attention of our corporate buyer for that company. Um, and basically, like, making sure they're aware that, like, that guy's not welcome at our store. Like, send a different driver. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So, fuck that guy in particular. There's a guy who's been calling the HR helpline. Uh, because I'm technically a part of HR, uh, regarding an incident at his store that I will not go into further, uh, I apparently apparently he's talked to everybody in the department, and everyone in the department tells him to go to these exact this, the exact same people, and he's like, I've already talked to that person. It's like that's not possible because you wouldn't still be calling here if you've talked to that person. <laughs> right, Bubby? What? Nothing. Go away. You invited me into this conversation. No, I didn't invite you to anything. I just said, right, Bubby? And that means you just go along and you say, right. Fuck. Correct. You didn't marry that kind of woman. Oh, wait. I'm just kidding. I mean... I gotta Did you hear that? <laughs> uh, shut up. <laughs> and now the entire internet has heard it. 
the other thing that happened this week was the Pokemon uh, Presents Direct thing, where they announced Pokemon League of Legends. And the entire internet lost their shit. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I didn't see the, anything about the game, but I saw that everybody hates the game, even though they haven't played the game. I don't want the game because it's a MOBA, and I'm I'm just done with MOBAs. Like that I, that phase yeah. of my life is over. I don't need those anymore. But yeah, I'm not I'm not interested in it. Um, I don't know. People were mad whenever they announced uh Pokemon Snap and now it's a cult classic and we're getting a sequel after all these years. Yeah. I think people well the the problem was and it's like one of the most disliked in, uh internet videos ever uh because everyone was like, "Oh, they're going to announce the Sinnoh remakes. Oh, they're going to announce Let's Go Johto. Oh, they're going to announce the third game in in this trilogy of games for this generation." It's like I mean, you guys got your hopes up for no reason whatsoever. Like, this is your fault that you're disappointed. They didn't tease Sinnoh. They didn't tease Johto. They didn't tease the new games at all. Like, I was slightly disappointed that they didn't talk about Crown Tundra, but that's fine. Like, I was like, okay, we have another three to five months until Crown Tundra comes out. I don't care. I just kind of expected they'd talk about it a little bit. Pokemon's, like, one of the biggest media brands in the world. Like, Mm -hmm. they're not... They're going to do lots and lots of different things because they're casting a wide net. Not every yeah. product is for every person, and that's fine. You can be a fan of the franchise and not consume every product that's tied to it. Yeah. I don't play a single... I haven't played a single Mystery Dungeon game. It's because it doesn't interest me. I want to play the mainline games, and that's about it. I'm not going to be mad yeah, if they announce the, um, other games. I don't think it was actually... Uh, a mystery dungeon game, but they made an Adventure Time game that basically was Mystery Dungeon, which was pretty fun. I don't know. Hmm. Because Mystery Dungeon is like a long-running series in Japan that's like crossed over to many, many franchises. It's like, uh, I don't know, like, do you remember Pokemon Conquest on the DS? Like, no. That was a a Pokemon crossover with a game called Nobunaga's Ambition, which is like uh, an isometric view, like tactical combat game. Uh, And you had to like conquer the whole world using your Pokemon team and like eventually fight Nobunaga at the end who had a shiny Rayquaza. I don't, this doesn't sound familiar at all. I don't know. There's been a lot of like little, spin-off Pokemon games like that that have crossed over with other franchises, but uh Mystery Dungeon. It's a, a game series. It's not just Pokemon games. Yeah. I think there's been one non Pokemon Mystery Dungeon game uh released in the United States. And I don't think it was very well received. No. Do you, do you remember the game Robopon? I sure don't. Okay, well, that was like a Pokemon clone where basically you would just run around like with robots and shit. Uh, and, and it was exactly like Pokemon, but just called a Robopon because it was robots. That's it. I mean, like, <laughs> I never played it. I kind of wanted to because I heard about it in like a Nintendo Power and I was like, oh my God, this sounds awesome. But then I was like, oh, it's just Pokemon with robots. And then they never made more games. I don't know. 
Sometimes uh, I hate that I play video games and would be considered a gamer because dear fucking God, are gamers just some of the worst fucking human beings on planet Earth? Uh, it's true. Um, they're privileged white men for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, young ones who have never done anything but still feel entitled. People who have just enough disposable income uh, who are typically kids in college who like get a summer job and their parents pay for their college or uh, they have student loans so they don't understand like what money is yet. They're just like, ah, student loans are fine. And then uh, in like five years, they'll be like, oh, fuck, student loans. But Dan, the the plot of The Last of Us 2 is a bad fan fiction about social justice. Mm. The the main character is a lesbian and not a, a a macho white man who makes me feel safe in my own masculinity. Yeah. I don't like to be challenged. Everyone's just like, these are bad. It's just like, this is a bad plot. And it's like, well, people make stupid decisions sometimes. It happens. Well, the fucking game hadn't come out yet. And everybody just decided it was bad. <clears throat> Well, right, because they read Every, they everything read I've heard about the game is that it's amazing. Yeah, it's here. Here's the thing: when people people have been like, it's a one out of ten. Like they finish the game, like it's one out of ten. It's like the gameplay is great, but the story is garbage. And it's like, well, the video game, the purpose of the video game is to play the game. If the game feels great to play, the story is kind of ancillary. It's not like it's a movie where like it actually like. R- really truly factors into the your enjoyment experience like yes it does to a degree but like the actual feedback and how you feel playing the game should matter more than what the events are happening in the game i don't know there's uh there's some games with good gameplay that just have like dog shit stories that like even if the gameplay is really good and i finish it i'm just like well that's that was fine like uh like the new version of prey was that way like uh the gameplay was was pretty fun mm. um i don't know the story like it started off really awesome but then yes. like after the intro like half hour of gameplay i kept waiting for it to get back to that level of quality and it never did and then i completed the game and i was like well that was a fun experience that i'll never bother to have again right Every now and then you'll get like that story that engrosses you forever, like a yeah. like a Bioshock that will mix like, in good uh, gameplay. Like elements. Morrowind, like I've I've fucking played through Morrowind like twenty times, and will probably play through it another thirty to forty times before I die. Yeah, but uh, I know The Witcher Three is like that for for a lot of people. The Witcher Three is like this crazy game that's like beautiful, runs well, doesn't load often. Uh, is fun to play, has good engaging quest lines. Like those games are considered generational games for a reason. You know, you generational game doesn't mean it comes on like every three months. No, generational means like once a gaming generation, which admittedly is like yeah. five to eight years, but like you you can't expect generational games with every single turn. And yes, this let's be clear, the last of us part two was always going to be a bit of a letdown because The Last of Us was one of the most hyped, talked about games ever. Uh, welcome to Video Games and Swill. Um, 
I don't know. I think my wife's getting tired of watching me play Subnautica because I cannot stop playing that game, even though I've done everything and I'm just traveling around the world building bases. That sounds like you and Nick and Minecraft. It's one of those games I just like to explore because I don't have to think about anything and I can just enjoy being in the world and not uh, worry about being in my actual world. Don't even give it a second thought. All right, well, uh, with that, why don't we talk about some uh, alcohol we're drinking with the... What's your swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! I'm finishing my Modelo. Really? I figured you'd have been Mm -hmm. done by now. Uh, I was done, and then I bought another 12-pack, and I'm finishing the second one. Mm, Okay. I have a problem. Maybe a little bit. Uh, I am drinking another Bombay Sapphire and Tonic. It's, you know, it's it is what it is at this point. Uh, I I have so I have like two bottles of alcohol, but they're still gigantic and mostly full. So I'm just I want to get through those before I go on to other stuff. There you go. Um, as you were telling me about that, I was uh mentally writing a new verse to uh. The song from Borat. Uh, in my apartment, there is problem, and that problem is Modelo. It take very long to drink because I keep on buying more. Throw Modelo down the well so my liver can be free. That's it. That's as far as I got. I'm real proud of you. Hey, let's talk about some news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. Cobra Kai is moving to Netflix beginning with Season 3. Seasons 1 and 2 will be available sometime later this summer on the platform. Uh, This is very good news because I wanted to watch Cobra Kai, and I will never, ever uh, sign up for YouTube Red. Oh, it's now just YouTube TV. There's a a difference. (sighs) What the fuck is YouTube Premium, then? Because they keep trying to get me to buy that every time I, like shut my phone off with youtube playing uh i don't know i i legitimately have no idea i don't follow like anything you sign up does. for youtube premium and you can listen with your screen turned off and i'm like i don't want to that's why i turned my screen off i i never wanted youtube anything like you youtube is y- useful for like five to ten minute videos i never want to watch like any yeah. other shows uh it's it's useful for saying hey have you seen X video from 10 to 15 years ago? No, yeah. I've never seen that. Okay, well, let me show it to you real quick. Yeah. Or like That's a quick it. how-to guide in a video game. Although, uh, there's one channel that I actually go to a lot that's like, still does like, they're quick intros, they're like five second intros, but it's also like, I just want to get to the fucking point here. I was like, let's go. I, I, I don't like, hey, this is me, and I'm, I'm going to tell you about how to get to this thing, but make sure you follow, like, comment, subscribe, hit me up on my social Ring medias. Bell. Ring the bell for notifications. And now let me show you how to get into this thing. So let me show you my setup real quick. And it's like, motherfucker, I don't care. I just want to know how to get to this one thing, fuck off and die. And the other, and this one guy is like, all right, uh, here's, here's, where we're, here's what the thing is. Even though it's in the title of the video, uh, I'm sponsored by this thing, uh, and now I'm going to show you how to do it. It's like, okay, that's five seconds. It's like it's better than any other YouTube video on this on this shit. Fuck you. I don't know. I I really like uh, the professor with 
the Tolarian Community College um, YouTube page. Yep, it's, I'm uh, aware of him. He talks about Magic the Gathering. But, uh, like, Raycon Headphones decided to sponsor him for some reason. And he was just like, I'm clearly a 50-year-old guy. Uh, these headphones are really cool. Do kids still say cool? I, I don't know why they picked me to sponsor this. And just had, like, a flashing rainbow banner that said sponsored content. And just, like, really phoned it in. And uh, it was hilarious. That guy's very entertaining. Uh, as for Cobra Kai, there's a Cobra Kai companion podcast uh, done by uh, Tom from Jake and Tom Conquer the World and Pete from Podstalgic. They uh, they do that. So I'm sure they're excited about this because as opposed to having to pay for fucking YouTube TV, they're just like, ah, good, this rolls into my Netflix subscription. I don't have to worry about any of this shit. But otherwise, uh, I have no interest in this, quite honestly. Uh I've, ne- I've never had any interest in watching any of Cobra Kai, mainly because like Karate Kid is whatever to me. I think it, it came out before my time. Yeah. Uh, my name is Dan, therefore my full name is Daniel, and therefore everyone called me Daniel-san. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I so bet it, they didn't call you Daniel-san. I bet they called you Daniel-san. Yeah, that was it. Uh, in a very because you have to do the the very over the top uh, racist Japanese accent to do correct. It. It's like how Wayne doesn't like Wayne's role because his his name is Wayne. Uh, the, the Karate Kid are more. Well, it's not. It's towards. not like it was called Karate Dan. That's that's true. But then Danielson happened, and I was like, "Ah, well, fuck me then." <laughs> Regardless, uh, I have no interest in Cobra Kai. But th- if you if you're interested in uh, a series farming your nostalgia, uh, here 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 it is. Uh, we'll let you know when it comes to Netflix officially. Cool. All right. Uh, the next story is about a, a dad who really fucked up. Oh, sorry. Uh, season six of Lucifer is coming. I feel like we knew that. They officially confirmed it. They were ta- they they'd been in talks about it for a while. Like, uh, I think season four did so well that they were like, "Oh, well, people just keep wanting this show, so instead of canceling it with season five, let's just bring it back for season six. The teaser trailer was uh. The number is six six six, and then the two sixes on the end folded into the one six. So it was like, oh, season six is coming because because Satan. Oh, I get it. Cool. I never watched Lucifer, but obviously this was a good purchase for Netflix. They have officially put out as many seasons of Lucifer as uh, I think it was Fox uh, had put out of Lucifer. So uh, clearly a, a good enough investment in a product to, in order to. Uh, get as much out of it as they could nice job it prints money all right um yeah cyberpunk edge runners uh is an animated series based on the upcoming game cyberpunk 2077 uh it's coming in uh, uh, cyberpunk 2022 uh so so in typical video game developer fashion Anytime they they start working on something, they have to immediately announce it uh, that it will be coming at some point in the far future, because they can't they can't fucking stop themselves. Yeah, you remember when uh, Nintendo showed a picture of a the number four like two years ago, and people freaked the fuck out because of Metroid Prime Four. Yes, 
and there's still like no screenshots or anything of, of the game. The rumor was is that they like completely scrapped the game and then redid it from the ground up. So that several makes times. Sense. I don't know. I'm still one of those people waiting for Metroid Prime Trilogy because I want it. Mm-hmm. Mainly because I only played like the first half of Metroid Prime, but then I was like, eh, fuck it, I'll just go play Time Splitters 2 again. And I'm like, oh, I should get back to probably playing Metroid Prime again at some point. And I never did. But uh, to me, the greatest game announcement of all time was Fallout 4 because they announced it at E3, what, 2015? or tw- Yeah, 2015. Uh, and then it came out that November or that, o- that October. Uh, because they were just like, here, this is a game. We'll know you, but we, we know you will buy it. We don't have to do much advertising for it. So here it is five months later. It's like, this is the perfect level of revealness you need to go to. You don't have to go like a hundred years in the future and be like, eventually we will release this game or release this series. That is exactly what they're doing with fucking cyberpunk edge runners. Like, it's just like. Oh, it's going to come in two fucking years. It's like, who cares? Everyone's going to forget about it by that time. When you read it, like, everyone will be like, oh, oh, the cyberpunk game that I remember, the cyberpunk anime they were talking about doing uh, two years ago. Yeah, I remember that now. Like, who fucking cares? Just, like, develop it in secret. That's it. Like, fuck off. I'm very passionate about this. (laughs) I see that. I have some strong feelings, and you're going to hear about them. All right, uh, our final news story. And I have to basically pull this verbatim from the news story I pulled this from. I'm not going to credit who it is, because fuck them. Uh, So we talked about the Enola Holmes movie that's coming to Netflix that was purchased from, I think, Legendary Pictures. Uh, So the estate of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle has sued Netflix over that movie, uh, arguing that the movie's depiction of the public domain character Sherlock Holmes having emotions and respecting women violates Doyle's copyright. Okay. Details from 10 stories are still owned by Doyle's estate. The estate argues that Springer's book, and by extension Netflix's adaptation, draw key elements from those stories. It's suing not only Netflix, but Springer, her publisher, Penguin Random House. Oh no, Pinky Penguin's going to be screwed. He's going <laughs> to he's gonna lose his ass just like Swamp Monster, lose Monsters the house. in Malibu. <laughs> uh, and the film's production company is also being sued for unspecified financial damages. This sounds like sue up the tree. The sue up the tree. That's what I'm calling it, which yeah. is basically like sue anyone you can that's involved. It sounds like none of uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's fucking descendants amounted to jack shit, so they're just trying to take money from everywhere before the well dries up. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> I wonder when uh, having a personality Sherlock Holmes actually hits public domain. Hmm. Apparently in this story, he also starts liking dogs, uh, which a judge actually has described as a potentially protected trait. So, like, the character himself is not, uh, like, is in public domain, but, like, certain character traits, like, his character development, specifically from those stories, is 
uh, copyrighted. And I don't know how the fuck that works. I I don't get it either. I I don't understand it all. It makes no sense. That's like a song being in the public domain, but like uh, three chords, like from the like the second chorus of the song being still copyrighted. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't know. This is this is gonna be a weird one. Uh, I'm sure Netflix is just gonna be like, "All right, here's money. Fuck off, die." We have money to do this. Yeah. I I would like to see Netflix let more of these kind of stupid petty things go to court, uh, just so they can bury everybody else in a sea of red tape and paperwork and endless cash flow. Yeah, I mean that, that's what they got. They have all those things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. They they li- they basically have fuck you money, uh, which they use to um make redneck survival shows uh, that we'll talk about in downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line. All right, our first trailer is for a series of short movies called Homemade. Yeah, anthology, maybe? Yeah, possibly an I anthology. Uh, basically, a bunch of filmmakers who were bored were like, ah, let's make some shit. And then Netflix was like, oh, you made some shit? Well, we'll take it. So they're going to just jam-pack it into like an anthology uh, similar to Love, Death, and Robots. Netflix, I got this court order that says you can't buy shit anymore. I'm... I'm going to be honest. I'm interested in this. This looks interesting. Like... Let's see. That looks cool. It's uh, yeah, it's a bunch of just random stuff that people made while they were uh quarantined. So yeah, uh, a notable name that I saw on that list. Well, a couple notable names, but uh, the first one I noticed was David McKenzie. Uh, that name doesn't sound familiar to you. That is the director of Outlaw King. Mm Hmm. Uh, Kristen Stewart also did one. Uh, you can see her face many, many times in in the trailer, uh, which was under. Uh, a minute 30 seconds i guess uh that's how plain jane kristen stewart is to me because i didn't notice her in it oh yeah yeah i know i noticed her almost I- immediately Ugh. man i'm looking at the uh youtube page after like the trailer played and uh one of the suggested videos is uh ghostbusters afterlife and it shows Finn Wolfhard with like his long, like weird, like weird Al Yankovic hair that he has yeah. going on now. Yeah. And uh, his his face looks like a skull, like he's very pale and gaunt. And uh, I don't know. I shouldn't make fun of him because he's a child, but he is a child. He's uh not. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think he's going to be one of those kids that like was real cute and was in a thing and then grows up to be real gangly and awkward. And Yeah. It's, it's very obvious to me that one of those kids out of the stranger things kids is going to make it as like an, as a full blown actor. Uh, and I don't think it's Finn Wolfhard and based off of everything I've seen, uh, I don't think it's Millie Bobby Brown either. Oof. Yeah. 
But as I said, in... is it Gaten? No, it's definitely not. I think it's is uh, it Caleb, Caleb McLaughlin? McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah, he's actually very good. Yeah, I think it's Caleb McLaughlin. No, Caleb McLaughlin from Stranger Things, you stupid bitch. Not coffee dude from Twin Peaks. <laughs> Jesus, fuck this woman. I apparently she married just has her, to so fucking fuck jump it. in and correct you. Yeah, like well, I know who I'm talking well about. Divorce. Yeah, right. Uh, but no. Uh, regarding Millie Bobby Brown, we'll see how she is in Enola Holmes because she has to carry that movie on her own. Uh, and the other two, the I've seen her in Stranger Things, and I think she's like good, to whatever. But she's also not speaking in that. Uh, and also Godzilla, yeah. to where she's very bad, and she's not speaking in that either. To be fair, I don't think Godzilla was her fault. That script no. was dog shit. Yes, uh, that's why I'm willing to give her a pass, but that's why I'm very interested to see this movie and see if she actually quit, can become something. Quit making kaiju movies about humans. We don't care. We want to watch the kaiju. <laughs> that's the whole uh, point. It's like, fucking Pacific Rim really got it right. Yeah. None of the characters had actual yeah, development. They were just like, fuck it. There, there's science to it. We're not going to explain it. Assume that it works. Here's a monster. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, speaking of monsters, let's talk about the trailer for Over the Moon, which is a whole three minutes long. Uh, however, I watched the whole thing. Really? Um, yeah, this looks super charming and cute and fun. Uh, this is... I don't know. It's animated, like mm-hmm. CG animated. It's about a, a young girl who builds a rocket ship to fly to the moon uh, to prove the existence of the moon goddess. We, I mean, we already know that, though. We, we've all watched Avatar The Last Airbender. Right, right. Um, and Sokka's in love with her. Yeah. My, gr- my girlfriend turned into the moon. That's rough, buddy. <laughs> It's one of the best exchanges in television history. Um, I don't know. It's, this looks cute. Um, it's a trailer that starts as one thing and then turns into a completely different thing. Mm. Uh, Interesting. Because like, like at first it's just about a, a girl living in the real world and like just doing stuff and feeling bad that her mom died and you know, living with her family and stuff. And then, like, I mean, I guess this isn't really spoilers for it because they they put it all in the fucking trailer for some reason. But she builds a rocket ship and flies up and then she, like, actually goes into space and talks to the moon men, I guess. I don't know. Huh. I don't know why, I don't know why the trailer didn't just, like, end with her there, there um, was a comedic note. See, I, I pulled the Caleb. I pulled the Caleb ripcord, minute 30, although I did let one joke happen. Like, there was a joke, like, a minute 30 in, like, that I wanted to just, all right, so I got, like, a minute 34, and, like, the little kid did his thing, and, like, all right, that's a cute movie, stinger, end. That's the trailer. Uh, so I didn't know about her, like, I assumed that at one point, yes, she would fly up into space. Uh, but yeah. I, I didn't know anything further from uh, a stupid kid making a stupid joke. I think uh, a, a neat plot twist would be if, like, her whole advan- adventure was her, like, uh, 
like her brain hallucinating all of it as she like dies of asphyxiation because she didn't properly seal the cockpit. Yes, that makes that makes <laughs> sense. Man, that would be. I mean, if that if that was the case, it'd be quite the mystery. Uh, speaking of mysteries, let's talk about the trailer for Unsolved Mysteries. Ooh, Segway Man at it again. Under a minute and a half, actually. I was kind of surprised. Yeah. Actually, most of this week is under a minute and a half. So, someone at Netflix is listening to us? Possibly? Do we have that kind of pull? I don't think so. We didn't get we didn't get screeners for uh, Eurovision Song Contest, and uh, people who have less famous podcasts than we do uh, did. So no, we we still have the exact same amount of pull that we had at Netflix. Uh, it's true. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries looks fine. It it looks like Unsolved Mysteries. Sh- yeah, it's the show we all know and love. The personal space show. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it 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 does feel weird that there's no Robert Stack. Uh, and I think that's going to be a hurdle for most people who grew up, like, I don't want to say grew up, grew up with that show, but like people who are familiar with that show, I think it's going to be like a big hurdle for them to get over is the fact that no, I can't even do a good Robert Stack impression. So I'm not even going to try, but like, you don't get that voice that, that like adds <laughs> that gravitas to the story. Update this week. We're going to find out who gives a shit about Bigfoot. Uh, you did that joke last week. I know. Okay. I'll do the joke every week. Fuck you. I'm doing it uh, next week I'm, when we I watch just, the goddamn thing. I just want to be sure that you know that you're redoing the same joke. I don't want I you to I'm feel doing. guilty that you're recycling fucking, material. I'll talk about Tourette's guy as much as I want. Man, fuck, fuck those videos. It was so stupid. Uh, speaking of so stupid, let's talk about our next trailer for Southern Survival. It's uh, Redneck Mythbusters, everybody. Yeah, I love watching rednecks do things, uh, as long as they're not um, actively being racist. What about passively racist? Well, I assume they always are being (laughs) passively racist, but as long as I don't have to directly deal with it, I guess. Uh, it it looks like a throwaway show that's probably going to be on top of Netflix. It's uh, like the top ten list at some point. Because of mm-hmm. just like the throwaway nature of it, it's uh, big trucks and shooting shit and blowing up the stuff and testing all the survival gear. Yeah, they they even have a a guy run through a, a front door for some reason. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't consu- know. Consume content. Who cares? Uh, our next trailer is for the limited series Stateless. Yeah. Um. This is about uh, four strangers in an immigration detention center in Australia. Yeah. Uh, clear, I think it's clearly paralleling what's happening or what was happening or is still happening uh, regarding uh, the immigration zone, like the illegal immigration zones that were along the southern border where they'd put fucking people in cages. I feel like they're referencing that, but did they put it in Australia instead. For some reason, that said, I don't know anything about Australian politics, so maybe there is a possibility of Australia having an illegal yeah. immigration problem. Um, well, I think because like Australia is very anti-immigration, so I think maybe what they were getting at was like, hey, if if we don't 
watch ourselves, we could become as bad as the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. That's possible. Uh, the notable thing about this is that Kate Blanchett is in it, and she co-created it as well. So uh, there, there's that to it. Uh, I think the interesting thing, I mean, like, there, there, like the obvious intrigue subplot is going to be about the Australian woman who is, for some reason, in this detention camp as well. Uh, despite the fact that she is a legal citizen, uh, and of course they want to highlight, you know, the the other people that are in this detention camp, uh, possibly legally, possibly legally, uh, but really focus on like the the draw is why is this woman in this internment camp, uh, and then you get the stories of all these people who are people uh, in this internment camp that you know. I don't want to say should be there, but are there because of the color of their skin. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This looks pretty good. Yeah. I don't remember when it comes out, but it comes out at some point. All right. Um, there's also a, a trailer for Down to Earth with Zac Efron. Um, he travels the world seeing how people are conserving energy and reducing waste and um uh, being more energy and food and water efficient yep and then eats bugs yep so if you want to see Zac Efron eat bugs uh watch this show he's probably going to eat bugs yep i mean it's yep. a thro- it's another throwaway show uh that's going to top the top 10 of netflix that's it that's downstream so uh why don't we talk about some uh, stuff we watched this week in Quick Hits? Alright, I'm uh, still still plowing my way through uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders. Like I said, I finished, like, it's split into two arcs. One where they're traveling to Egypt, which fucking takes forever. Yep. Uh, and then, like... An entire other half of it where they're in Egypt looking for the guy that they have to kill uh, to solve the plot. Um, I don't know, but like when they get to Egypt, it's like, oh, we already d- killed all of Dio's henchmen. Like we should we should find him and take him out. But then uh, like when they get to Egypt, it's like, hey, there's there's all new henchmen now that we didn't know about. We yep. have to fight all them, too. So like. I don't know. The show is uh, interesting and like fun enough that it doesn't just feel like filler, but like it kind of is filler. Yeah, sure. Um, that. that being said, like I I like the show a whole lot. Like I'll watch as much of it as they feel like making. So I feel like they decided that season three needed to be really long because the first season was six episodes, and then like. The second season was like 20 episodes and oh, wow. people were just like more, more, more. So. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense then. If like 50 ish, 52. I think there's like 48 episodes in season three. Jesus Christ. See so yeah, how that explains why I haven't finished it. Vanessa watched the newest season of Grace and Frankie. So I watched a few episodes of that with her. It's good. They made a toilet. They make a toilet? Sometimes there's shit on the outside of the toilet. 
Well, how the fuck you suppose that happened? <laughs> I want that show to come back. That, that's the show I'm waiting for right now, actually. Because normally hey, I, what they did, put out like two, three seasons a, a year. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I watched Nobody Knows I'm Here. Now, this stars Jorge Garcia in a Chilean movie. Because he's just Chilean at a house. Uh, that is hey. that is that is a joke I would always make with one of my Chilean friends, uh, and by one of my I mean my only Chilean friend. <laughs> uh, he's still one of them. Yeah, one of one. Yeah, but I'm like, oh, what do you? He's like, oh, I'm just hanging out my house. Oh, so you're just Chilean? He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jorge Garcia's character of Memo, or Memo, uh, was a child singer who had a wonderful voice, but uh, he was a bit too heavy. He actually looks like a little pudged up Gaten Matarazzo for some reason. I was like, oh, what is Gaten doing in this movie? And it's like, oh, it's not him. Never mind. Uh, moving on. Uh, but uh, a producer was basically like, he's too fat. Uh, let's get a pretty vo- face and give him this voice, and he'll make millions of dollars. And so they do that. Uh, so basically, he hi- he like something happens. I'm not going to say what, but something happens, uh, and he runs off to uh, his uncle's house to work as a. Uh, and I don't know the technical term, but he basically works with goat pelts. I don't know what he does with them, but he like cleans them and then ships them back out, and there's a whole process. I don't know. Uh, uh, until hmm. uh, one day where uh, his uncle gets in an accident and this woman who uh, he had previously met comes to visit more often uh, and discovers that he is a uh, prodigy, uh, like he's a seemingly like hidden singing talent. And then the movie kind of devolves from there into kind of this unexplainable thing. I don't want to explain it mainly because like I, th- I think it's good enough to watch although it didn't personally connect with me. I feel like it's too slow in port in points. Uh, there are some interesting character quirks. Like you see like the childlike wonder of uh, Mimo where like he creates this costume that he uh, envisions like he'd go out on stage with uh, that, like, because like he never really got that chance. Like all, because like this kid who looked better than he did uh, always got the spotlight and was always able to take, you know, uh, his voice and turned into something. It's an interesting character study. I think Jorge Garcia is good. I think the cinematography is great, but I just find it a little bit too slow to truly enjoy. Uh, despite the fact that it is 90 minutes, uh, you think with a 90 minute movie, it'd be punchier and faster, but it feels like it could have been a short film and basically pulled off the same kind of thing. So uh, ultimately I give it a three. It's, it's fine. It's, but like, I do recommend watching it. Uh, like I said, I, it's not my speed, but somebody else will come along and be like, ah, this is a great movie. Hmm. All right. Uh, and I've written down, but I'm watching, uh, more Arrested Development. We we're into season three now. Uh, admittedly, Ashley is like, yeah, I think this is when the, the downfall of the show truly happens. And that's why I got canceled. I'm like, you're probably right, but it's whatever. Uh, it, it, yeah, it is not as funny as seasons one or two. Let's, let's be clear. Uh, the Mr. F storyline, which just wrapped up for us is, uh, hard to watch in 2020. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's uh, all I watched this week. All right. Well, uh, why don't we cut into a quick break? And when we come back, we will talk about our main topic for the week, Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons, Gerald from Two Peas on the podcast, Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast, Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast, the IMDb Journey podcast, Julio from the Contrarians podcast, Ashley Gorski from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, Nate Wade from the Everyone Has a Story podcast, Bill Sutton, James Delarosa, Ben Kiefer, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple Podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or search for the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and helping us grow. Our audience is at the heart of everything we do. You make the one-star movies worth it. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to talk about our main review topic for the week. Uh, Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. All right, Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga uh, is a brand new 2020 comedy music film uh, directed by David Dobkin, uh, written by Will Ferrell and Andrew Steele and starring Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. Uh, This has a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, When aspiring musicians Lars and Sigrid are given the opportunity to represent their country at the world's biggest song competition, they finally have a chance to prove that any dream worth having is a dream worth fighting for. Um, This is two hours and three minutes, which is about 33 minutes too long. Correct. What did you think of this? Yeah, that's that's my that's also my big thought is this is a comedy movie that is two hours long for exactly no reason. Yeah. A good comedy is punchy. There are very few comedies that can get away with going further than a hundred minutes. Uh this is not one of them. Uh I was saying in our pre roll that I feel like the first five minutes of the movie are fantastic. Uh, and then it slowly devolves into, oh my god, what the fuck is happening? Like, why why is this still going? Yeah. Um, Pierce Brosnan's in this movie as Will Ferrell's unapproving dad. Um, but, like, they don't really give him anything to do except for glower at Will Ferrell so that they can yep. have the inevitable third act pivot where he says, hey, I'm finally proud of you after all this time of treating you like ass. Yep. It's a very strange movie. Uh, Demi Lovato's in this. I... Um, I don't know, I liked her For, role like, a minute. <laughs> I liked her role. They They kind of use her as a punchline at a couple different parts of the movie, but, like, um... I don't know, like... Not at the moments where it would be funny to do so, I guess. I don't know. It was strange. Yeah. Uh, So I want to talk about the first five minutes. So the first five, and really it's like the first three. So we get like this opening sequence of uh, 
a Eurovision song contest from like I'm assuming the 80s. Uh, and Will Ferrell's character Lars, as a as a child, is like dancing in front of it because like I want to be on Eurovision Song Contest and blah blah blah. And so that sets up and that immediately cuts into uh, the teaser that they put out for this, which is the 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 music video for Volcano Man, uh, which you mm-hmm. haven't seen is a, a fantastic music video for yeah. a, a fun good like it's a good song. It's not like anything groundbreaking or anything, but like I enjoyed it. I think it's it's fun. But uh, immediately after that, it cuts to them sitting in the basement. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see what they're going for here. Which which was actually a very good punchline to that awesome yes. fucking music video. Um, I don't know. The, the biggest crime that this movie commits is uh, only having Volcano Man appear in at one time. Yeah, because they do that song Double Trouble uh, four times. For some reason, and it's like Volcano Man is a fucking banger. I think it's better than Double T- Double Trouble. Uh, use Volcano Man. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This whole movie felt like an excuse for Will Ferrell to do a goofy accent. Yeah. Like kinda. I, I half expected him to, <laughs> to just go. I'm Mustafa, and I'm the man who will be killing you now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um it's it's weird. I I I expected more out of this movie than I got. Uh you sent me a, a DM over the weekend uh saying uh I'm confused how I feel about Eurovision Song Contest. I was expecting this is Spinal Tap, but I got pitch perfect. Uh to which I, <laughs> I, I gave the wincy face to. Yeah. And that's basically how it how it be. Except uh, with just like a little bit of like irreverent, goofy Will Ferrell comedy thrown in, which I've never been a big fan of. Sure. I um, am, uh, but I can admit that I think it's it's finally ending. Like, I, I feel like Will Ferrell had a strong like, Called seven years, which is more than any comedic actor can really say. Like most times, their shtick runs out like fairly quickly. Uh, with Will Ferrell, he f- had a fairly long tail with his. Uh, but I, I feel like we're we're finally reaching the end with it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like he, uh, it's it's not like he Adam Sandlered. Oh no no like, no! His his performance in this is still solid, but like also it's kind of weird because I think he's like like 60 or something he's in the 50s 53 i think yeah i think he's like early to mid 50s but uh they they mentioned like several times that he's 33 in this movie oh they say that's not a 33 year old man no uh pierce brosnan once says he's middle-aged and i'm like okay yeah that makes sense that's why i said like 80s because like yeah, I, th- I thought he specifically said you're 33 and you need to d- d- fucking do something with your life or something like that at one point. Hmm. But I don't know. Oh, yeah, he said he's a rough 52. Yeah. So uh, it's a, it, as they said in the description, it's a musical film ish. Uh, what did you think of the other tracks that weren't the Fire Saga songs? I mean... Okay, this is my problem with this movie. 
is that they'll just bust into song when it's not related to the plot. Like they they go to a party and it's like, oh, we're having a, a song along. And it like it it they literally just do the thing from Pitch Perfect where they just like start riffing off of each other's like songs and shit. Uh-huh. And do like a live remix of a bunch of different songs uh where they're singing ABBA. Um I don't know. The songs are all right. Um, I hated the the sex lion or whatever it is. Yeah, that one's that one's very lion bad. of love. Um, I get the joke that the guy has a very deep voice, but I don't want to hear the entire song three times. Yeah. Uh, I I think that was the other problem is like his voice is so deep that it's just like I don't. I don't. It doesn't fit with the song. Like, I don't. I don't know who fucking wrote it, but it yeah. it doesn't work. And maybe that's the joke is that it doesn't work. But like, I almost feel like unless you're making it cartoonishly awkward, like the songs have to work. And yeah. Um. Honestly, also with that same character, like they were dangerously close to like this is a character who is gay as a punchline like yeah yeah because like what i what was it like they're they're watching his first his his first technical run through and like there's he's dancing around with four dudes who are like kind of like gripping him how you would like sexually in in a way and they're like, ah, uh, no, no straight man or no gay man would ever have four dudes dance around him like that. It must be straight and like moved on. Yeah. Uh, do we want to get into the plot a bit? I guess. Um, I don't know. The- I liked I liked some of the things they did with Rachel McAdams' character. Like, mm. she, there's cute, quirky things that she does that like kind of allow her to embody the character. Like, anytime she's shown with a beverage, uh, she always has two drinks at the same time. Oh, I didn't notice that. And, like, well, like, whenever she first shows up, uh, she has two cups of coffee, and Lars is like, is one of those for me? And she's like, no, they're both mine. But then, like, whenever they're out at parties and stuff, people bring her drinks. Like, the guy will go and get a drink for her and a drink for him, and she'll just grab both and drink both. Hmm. So, like, every time she's shown with a beverage, she has two of the same thing. Um, And then, like, her other character quirk is that uh, she, like, apparently many Icelandic people in the mythos of this film still believes in elves and, uh, like, asks the elves to help them get into the Eurovision Song Contest. Yep. Uh, which that kind of becomes a, a punchline in the third act as well. I don't know. Like, her character is kind of whatever. Like, both their characters are just kind of whatever. Like, she is... Like, there, there she, are pl- she plays moments. shy, quirky girl. Yes. And, like, of course, with this kind of a movie, which ultimately, in terms of plot, character development, and everything, is standard comedic underdog comedy fair. Like... If you've seen underdog comedy in any way, shape, or form, this follows it beat for beat. 
But like her character is that basically like she is like you said shy, quirky, but she never really wrote any of the songs. Like Lars is the one whose dream is to always win Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, it's so he writes all their songs, and it turns out she has this beautiful song that she's been writing that she's been like slowly working through for years, uh, but just hasn't like completely put it together yet. Demi Lovato's character is like the person that they're like, oh, surely she's going to win the the Icelandic song contest and be the one we send to Eurovision. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fuck it. Let's just pick a, another random submission because it doesn't matter because she'll be the winner. Right. Uh, so they just they just grab uh, Fire Saga's demo tape out of a bucket. Uh, so that's how they get involved in the contest. Well, I mean, that's um, like dodgeball where it's like, here, play in yeah. this random play in for no reason, uh, but you're going to lose. But your opponent's going to get disqualified because they were using beaver, uh, beaver steroids or whatever, beaver tranquilizers, whatever it was. <laughs> and it's like, OK, yeah, it's God like a similar damn it, thing. Bernice. <laughs> <laughs> Dodgeball, see, this this movie has everything owes everything to Dodgeball, and Dodgeball owes everything to most other movies that came before it. I don't know, like the there's one guy on, you know, whatever fucking high council decides what fucking musical act gets to go and do this stupid contest, uh, who is against sending Demi Lovato mm-hmm. because she's too good and like uh like Iceland's still recovering from the like global financial crisis and like can't afford to host the next Eurovision cuz that's how the contest works I guess. Yeah. Um so he he wants to send somebody who's like dog shit and they know will lose. Uh so in case you have never seen a movie before, he's the bad guy because he <laughs> blew up the ship with all of the other singers on it. Yeah. That only uh Lars and Sigrid weren't aboard at the time. Because Lars is a man child and anytime he loses he he throws a fit. Uh-huh. I know this is a fellow man child. <laughs> uh but I was I was so mad about The Last of Us 2 I punched a hole in my wall. Yeah. There's there's this running joke in the movie, and I think it's supposed to be a joke, but I'm not sure. But like, they're at, they actually seem like they're talented musicians. Uh, but the fact is that everyone from their town is just like, oh, they're fucking dog shit, and it's like, but are they? Because like, well, they're they're technically fine musicians, but like every time. They go on stage, Lars tries to do this like over the top spectacle stuff that they don't have like the training or the budget or the preparation for, and it always goes haywire in the middle of their performance. That's fair, but it's also like they're the people from their town are like, You fucking suck. And it's like, do they suck? <laughs> Cause like But then but then they force them to play Ya Ya Ding Dong and everybody jams out to it. Yeah. Do you want to hear a Eurovision song? No, play Ya Ya Ding Dong. Play it again. We just played it. I don't care. Play it again. Ya Ya Ding Dong. My love for you is growing wide and long. Do you get it? It's it's the dick. 
don't know. I don't have much else to say. Uh, I I feel like if you've seen any comedy movie regarding anybody who has to uh, rise up from uh, oh like insurmountable odds in order to win, uh, you've seen this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I don't feel like it's original enough in its comedy in order to take advantage of the fact that you know it's set in a completely different place than you're used to. Uh, and, and it doesn't really lean into that. Like it feels like if it wasn't like Eurovision Song Contest, they could have just like taken it here, uh, you know, filmed it here in America, and just been like, okay, yeah, it's it's uh, American Idol. We're on American Idol now. And it's like, yeah, or or just like anything competitive. Like you could have made this exact plot revolve around like the International Flip Cup Championships or something. <laughs> but like. They don't lean into any Euroness of it, other than like like you you said it's it's not an Adam Sandler vacation, but part of me is kind of like eh, it feels like that because of like they they went to Iceland, then they went to it is a Italy. Bit. So I don't know, like I I don't know about this yeah. one, man. Yeah, um, I don't know. That, like there were a few like big belly laugh moments for me in this movie, like. I don't know, like I said, the the third act payoff to like them constantly making fun of Rachel McAdams for believing in elves. Like yeah. the, the punchline to that entire build up was pretty good. Like if you've seen the movie, like you know what I'm talking about, but Yeah. Um I, I don't know. This movie was fine, I guess. Yeah. I don't lament having watched it. I just, I don't know. I don't know what I expected, and I guess I still, still don't really expect anything. Like, I don't think this movie will be remembered. No. Like it, like at all. No, definitely not. <laughs> it, it's it's not a modern classic in any way. It's not so bad that everyone will talk about how garbage it is. It is just whatever but it's something like uh like to compare it to another will ferrell vehicle like i don't know it's something like get hard where like he was going to prison like it's it's a comedy it's of its time you watch it and you're like oh that was fine for what it was and entertaining and i'll never think of it again yeah so what would you rate eurovision song contest the story of fire saga uh a two i think this is a bad movie Yikes! I don't yeah. know. It's like a three. Yeah. I see. I thought about it. Th- I started with the three, and then I just continued to wa- like think about it, and I was like, no, no, no. This yeah. is this, um, this is not a good. Uh, to play the Wayne's advocate, you can't th- spend too much time thinking about a comedy, or else it falls apart. Uh but I mean, you're probably right. It, if this is. Strange to say about a music film, but if they hadn't leaned so heavily into the music, this would have been much better. Yeah, uh, it, like, it almost... I feel like they just show us the same performances over and over, and it just wastes. Like this movie wasted my time. Yeah, like we didn't need, uh, like you said, lion song. We didn't need the sing the sing along thing, which just featured nothing but your uh, former Eurovision con- contestants. Like we didn't need that shit. We didn't need any of that. Just excise that whole wholesale from the movie. It doesn't do anything. Hmm. All right. Um. 
Let's cut into a quick break once again, and when we come back, we will talk about a patron review for uh, Brian De Palma's The Untouchables. Thank you for being afraid. If those clips made you wish for the good old days of TV, I've got great news. Rabbit Ears TV podcast is back. Each episode, we look back on a beloved series, ranging from the good old days of television to more modern classics. With the help of a superfan guest host, we will review, discuss, and reminisce about some of the most culturally impactful shows ever to air on TV. You can follow the show on Twitter at Rabbit Ears TV Pod, join the Couch Potato Group on Facebook, and check out our episode archives at netflixinswill.com slash rabbit ears. Look for new episodes the third Friday of each month. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming already in progress. We hold you in our hearts. And when we think about you, it makes me want to fart. <laughs> it's I hope we never part. Now get it right or pay the price. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to get into a patient requested review for The Untouchables. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watched terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. The Untouchables is a 1987 crime drama thriller film. Uh, this is a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Directed by Brian De Palma. Uh, this stars Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, and Bob De Niro. Uh, during the era of prohibition in the United States, federal agent Elliot Ness sets to stop sets out to stop ruthless Chicago gangster Al Capone, and because of rampant corruption, assembles a small handpicked team to help him. Um, this is the only Brian De Palma film that I've ever seen, uh, because I haven't seen Carrie or Scarface or. Um, Fuck, what's the other one he's known for? Mission Impossible. Oh, you haven't seen Mission Impossible? Nope. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, oh, uh, that's kind of surprising. Uh, it is. I just just happened to have missed it. Huh. Okay. That's fair. Uh, so I grew up with this movie. This was your first time watching it. So what did you think? Oh, man. Uh... Boy, Kevin Costner's fucking garbage. He is so bad in this movie. <laughs> he there he kind is... of never was that good. Um, he just I don't know. He has like this weird charm, or like I don't know. It's fucking Kevin Costner. If I... if you like him, you like him. You don't need him to act well because he's he... not going to. Yeah, I like him more as an actor as he's gotten older. Uh, like The Highwaymen, mm -hmm. I think was. You know, a, a pretty good performance from him. Uh, but watching him in this, like his line delivery is the most unconvincing bullshit I've ever heard. Like I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't understand how anyone looks at this guy and goes, "We need a lead. It's going to be unconvincing man number one here standing in front of us." And he's just like, "Okay, that's cool. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you giving me this role." Like, well, this was like the the peak of Costnerness. Oh yeah, because like. I don't know, he was just kind of at the top of his, 
was going to say top of his game, but that's not really the the way to put it. Well, sure. But uh, you know, you know what I mean. Peak popularity. Um, like he was in yeah. Bull Durham, this um Oh shit, there was a I, I did this dog yesterday. shit Robin Hood movie. Uh the the dog shit Robin Hood movie what was the Academy Award winner one? Uh Dance of the Wolves, uh The yep. Bodyguard, uh and eventually yep. Waterworld, which was like but like there was like a a 7-year stretch where he was in like these movies that you always hear about. And he he was just if you'll indulge me, untouchable at this time. Uh, until somebody uh, shot his friend and then wrote touchable <laughs> on an elevator wall. Oh, fuck. Uh, Sean Connery is so ridiculous in this movie, too. We'll get into that. But, yeah. Um, I like the campiness of this movie. Like, it it feels like a larger-than-life gangster movie from, like, the 50s. You know what I mean? Uh, a bit. Kinda. Like, this feels like the Warren Beatty Dick Tracy movie, if you've seen that. But, like, it's supposed to be serious. Yeah, uh, no. No, I haven't seen that. Uh, but, yeah, it's, yeah, you're right, it is supposed to be serious, but, like, it's so ridiculous with some of its choices that it's like, how did they take this seriously? Yeah. We're, like... (laughs) Uh, big spoilers, but like when Sean Connery's, uh, character who is, uh, over the top Irish beat cop, um, where he gets fucking gadded the fuck down with a Tommy gun for like two straight minutes, (laughs) uh, and then crawls across the floor to the other uh, side of the house. Yeah. To the other side of the house to get his, uh, important effects. And then fucking Kevin Costner comes in and he lives l- as long as the plot needs him to to explain the thing to Kevin Costner. Yep. Um, a- Ashley and I were talking about it. It's just like, oh, he should have just gotten stabbed. This movie's amazing. <laughs> just stab him. All you had to do was stab him and it makes yeah. perfect sense. Well, it doesn't make perfect sense, but it makes more stan- sense than him getting shot a million times with a Tommy gun with seemingly no end in sight magazine attached to it. Yeah. Well, they had those drum clips. I mean, you're not wrong, but regardless, that's, uh, he, that's that's why the, that's why the Tommy gun's called the Chicago typewriter. I because um, it makes the clack clack sound and it wrote the history of Chicago. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about uh, the 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 part that endeared me the most. Uh, we have an accountant on on the task force that uh, yep. comes in. And he's like, "Look, Capone's financial statements." And everyone's like, "Fuck it, shoot people!" And I'm like, "Yes, this is yeah. exactly how accounting works." Everyone's like, "I fuck it, shoot people!" <laughs> and the accountant guys are like, "Wait, I have an easy path for us here." Yeah, and no, he is the best character. Like, I fucking love that character so much. But that is what they ultimately got Capone for was income tax evasion. Mm-hmm. They they couldn't nail him for bootlegging. But they knew that he was getting money from bootlegging and not reporting it on in his income taxes. Yeah, the the first line the guy basically utters is, he hasn't filed a tax return since 1926. Meanwhile, at the beginning of the movie, 1930. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I, miss, I miss my accounting character. Uh, I'm glad we finally got an accounting character who sort of does something in a movie. I'm, I'm happy with that. Uh, 
I will say one thing I did notice in this movie, which is uh, very interesting. Uh, this would be the this would be my movie reviews and twenty Qs thing for uh, the Untouchables. But uh, there's two members of the task force who actually drink alcohol during the movie, uh, and both of them are killed. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Um, and that's see, I feel like that's supposed to be thematic. Yes, because like this movie portrays Elliot Ness as like the un- the incorruptible white knight where in reality like Elliot Ness was a rampant piece of shit. Oh well, of course. Leave it to Hollywood to do nothing but uh characterize a person in history as one thing and uh never delve like delve into the other side of them. Yeah. But I don't know, like, uh, this, this reminds me a lot of like the old Lone Ranger serials, honestly, where, where Kevin Costner's Elliot Ness is the Lone Ranger. Cause like, he's just, he's always going to do the right thing no matter what. And like, he's always going to win no matter what. Mm-hmm. So, um, what did you think about Robert De Niro in this as as the Capone. I mean, he's doing De Niro things. Like, yeah. there, there's not really much to, to say there. Yeah, eh, it's fine. Yeah. I don't know. The uh, The best thing that he does is uh, beat somebody to death with a baseball bat. Yeah. Uh, so that, that'll, that'll lead me into talking about the score to this movie. I don't think the score to this movie fits anything that's happening on screen almost ever uh, for the first no. half. <laughs> For the first half. For the second half, uh, it's like they got a different person to, like, match the score of what's going on. But, like, there's this there's this uh, track that starts playing. Uh, like, Capone like Capone pulls out the baseball bat and, like, whacks this guy and just starts beating him to death. But then, like, halfway through him beating him to death, this, tr- this track starts that, like, starts like a... Like, a real quick, like flourish that like is supposed to signify like surprising thing happened but the yeah. that track just need to be like five seconds earlier <laughs> when he uh, you know when he actually fucking hit him i don't know i i always thought the score was one of the memorable things about this movie like that um like the the intro sequence to this movie i thought was really cool but like just with the button out like that whole thing like i don't know because i just uh, i'll always remember that that from like watching this movie as a kid and stuff and mm-hmm. um like i don't know i don't know i like the score yeah but yeah i guess i don't know they they probably could have used it better but oh the yes. score itself i thought was fine uh there there was also uh oh fuck uh it was there there's this when they when they raid the post office in order to get that alcohol shipment like there's this very whimsical track going on behind them but it's like it's supposed to be this super ultra serious thing like hey we're going to go make our first fucking bust and it's like nope just this whimsy bullshit and like wait what the fuck is going on why why this track here like this could be used literally anywhere else yeah what do you think of patricia clarkson um, 
Because if you say anything as, uh, other than she did nothing in this movie, you're 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 wrong. She, she I don't know. Yeah, she basically did nothing. She was there. They they kind of used her. Uh, like I like I said earlier, like Elliot Ness always has to win no matter what. Mm-hmm. They put her there so that there are some stakes to his character if he loses, but there's no chance that he can lose. Yeah, it's like Parker Lewis can't lose. Mm-hmm. I blue eyes white dragon can't be beat except by the unstoppable exodia <laughs> uh, my grandfather's deck has no bad cards Kaiba ah <laughs> uh, you, rem- you remember me saying that the entire time during uh, what what were we do oh it was the river trip uh, we were playing the Magic river trip the Gathering. Just- yeah, yeah. And I was, and every time I drew, it's like my grandfather's deck has no bad cards, Kaiba, but it does contain the unstoppable. And then I would play whatever card it was in my hand if I could. Uh, a, a, a forest, <laughs> the unstoppable <laughs> forest. This gives me a a million mana. <laughs> oh fuck! We're such idiots. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Um, this movie's fine. It's uh, it's got some interesting action scenes like the uh was it like a subway station they're at where they have to uh intercept the bookie who can decode uh yeah Capone's ledger uh, like that whole sequence was really cool like it it's more or less straightforward like good guys versus bad guys and kind of a, a mexican standoff yeah um but they they make the smart decision of adding in like potential for collateral damage and like making that kind of the focus of the scene and uh like i really like the almost comedic timing of like bad guys like i'll blow this dude's fucking head off and uh elliot ness is just like do you have a shot and stone's like yeah i got him and the guy's like i'm not kidding i'll shoot and Costner's like take him bang yeah and then uh there's like that that moment where you're like oh shit what the fuck happened and like the dude just drops it's like I don't know like the that scene in particular stands out like that's probably my favorite scene from this movie I do feel like it drags a bit though like I like I don't think we needed a hundred hours of woman trying to carry her bags and child in a carriage up up a flight of stairs like I don't like yeah we needed a bit of that but not as much as we got which like it's supposed to add tension i feel yeah it's, but it it's doesn't. supposed to build up the tension but it kind of just drags you're right yeah um do you remember at the end of the movie where elliot ness murders a guy by throwing him off a roof yeah and then isn't punished for it well i mean he's a cop and he's a bad guy uh and as we've seen in today's society cops don't get punished for murdering people <laughs> So nothing's changed in uh what 80 years. Yeah. No. 90 years. Fuck. If, if you're not a criminal, you don't have to worry about being murdered by the cops. Yeah. Although he does get his one liner in, like where's where's that guy? Stone goes, "Where's that guy?" He's like, "He's in the car." And yeah, it's like he, he died squealing like a pig. What the fuck? Did he And he throws him off the roof and the guy's screaming on his way down. He's like, "Did he sound anything like that?" Yeah, it's like, oh my god, Costner's so bad. He's just so bad in this movie. Oh Where's Needy? He's in the car. 
Yeah. Uh, it's a very 80s movie to wrap yeah. up. It's a very 80s movie where it, it's surface level. It's good guys versus bad guys. We don't need any depth to the good guys outside of, like you said, stakes. And, yeah. and Costner's like, the only one like who has I said, Like I said, Costner has... Let's let's clear the air here. I love Kevin Costner. He has never been a good actor. No. Uh, he's just enjoyable to me because he was in a a movie about uh, baseball and not having a good relationship with your dad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the other one. <laughs> the, uh, it went like, I think it went this, or it went Bull Durham, this, Field of Dreams, Dancing with Wolves, uh, something in, oh, Prince, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and then The Bodyguard. Like, that was a six, like, six years, he was just, like, untouchable in terms of, like, notable movies that weren't, like, all connected, like, a Marvel Universe. It's okay. I made that same joke earlier. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, Is there anything else you want to say, Uh, possibly to defend this movie from uh, my incoming shellacking? Uh, I don't know. I I really don't feel that it holds up. Having like lived it in its time, I it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I pretty much agree. It's it's okay. It's it's whatever. I I don't come away from this feeling like I wasted my time. It was two hours. It knew when to get out. Uh, but yeah, shorter than, uh, Eurovision song contest. Yeah. Shockingly. Uh, but regardless, like, I don't know. Uh, it it still feels like whole minutes could have been chopped off of this thing. And while it may not have aided much, mainly due to Costner's poor performance and, uh, weird editing around the score, whatever. Yep. Sorry, did you give it a rating or? Oh no, sorry. Uh, my rating is two and a half. It's 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 whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's like a two and a half. Okay, uh, I'm sure Nick will be happy to hear this. I I enjoy this movie, but uh, it's it's uh my enjoyment of it is uh just an artifact of my childhood, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, Thank you, Paul, I guess, for that. I know Paul likes that movie, so uh, sorry for ruining your life, Paul. Uh, But with that, uh, it's time to talk about what we're watching next week. And next week on the show, we're going to watch uh, the first six episodes of Unsolved Mysteries that are coming out on July 1st, so you can all watch them with us. Uh, And on the back end of that, we're going to have a cautionary tale of Netflix. All right. Uh, and how are we selecting the cautionary tale this time? Did I? Who selected um, it last time? I think I deferred to you. All right, so it's up to pick. you then. Okay. Well. Oh fuck! Oh, I really shouldn't do this. Uh, but I'm oh, going no. to. Um, no. next week we're going to watch Priest. The 2011 uh, action horror movie uh, about demons. It's the one where there's the with Carl Urban. Oh, Envision. Okay. Yeah, Envision's in it. Uh, Uh, This is the one with like the creepy 
uh, ice cream truck demon that turns into like a spider guy and fights him. Huh. I I think I've seen this before. I've seen trailers for this, and it's it's really bad. <laughs> oh man, Christopher Plummer's in this. So yeah, look forward to that. Oh, I guess. Oh my god, why? Eh, whatever. It's fine. I made us watch a Stone Cold Steve Austin movie last time, so who, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Oh fuck, I forgot about that movie completely. Yeah. All right, so uh, uh, thanks, thanks for listening to the the podcast. Hope you enjoy those things. Uh, if you want to find our show, you can head over to netflixandspoil.com, find all of our social media links, where else to listen to the podcast. If you don't like the provider you're listening to us on, uh, and make sure you subscribe. You know, get get us uh, as soon as we publish on uh, Tuesdays, uh, because that's when we publish episodes. Yeah. Um. I guess that's it. Thank yeah. you for joining us. And I guess uh, we will see you next Tuesday when we watch fucking Priest. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.